Hello there, HCI learners. Welcome to another episode of Nine to Thrive HR, a podcast for the most pressing issues facing talent management today, and a podcast that allows you to hear from experts and practitioners in the field. I'm Holly Pennebaker, HCI's Digital Content Program Manager, and I'll be your host for today. If you're listening on iTunes, please be sure to give us a rating. It helps other talent-minded people discover the program. For today's podcast, I'm joined by Dr. Rob Bogosian. Dr. Rob Bogosian is an author and expert in executive leadership development for multinational organizations. Rob is the founder and principal consultant at RVB Associates. Prior to establishing RVB, Rob was vice president of performance development at Wachovia Corporation, a national financial services company. In that capacity, he was responsible for developing consistent leadership practices and organization development initiatives throughout Wachovia's asset management line of business. In addition, he oversaw the development of the business line's high-performing, high-potential talent and played a pivotal role with executive teams and individuals, helping them achieve their performance development goals. Rob has been featured in Business Insider, CNN Money, Fortune, CEO Magazine, the San Francisco Chronicle, and many more. Welcome, Rob. Thank you. It's good to be here on a Monday. Absolutely. So employee engagement is a focal area for HCI in 2017. Rob is scheduled to keynote in late July at our employee engagement conference in San Francisco, where he'll deliver his presentation called Breaking Corporate Silence, How High Influence Leaders Create Cultures of Voice. At this time, we'll move into a question and answer session with Rob. So Rob, we'll start out with a riddle that I have for you. What did General Mm -hmm. Motors and the Titanic have in common? General Motors and Titanic. Okay, well, aside from the fact that you could say they were both in the transportation business, they have something else in common. And that is that they both paid the price for operating in what we know to be a culture of silence. And that means that in that culture, There's a phenomenon that exists where employees willfully withhold important work-related information. And the consequence of that is usually something that can amount to crises. We see it every week, every month in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times. In this case, it's rather interesting. When we looked at the Titanic and we looked at GM, we saw some consistency. So in the case of the Titanic, we saw consistent attempts where the engineers tried to get the attention of senior leaders like Ismay, who was the head of White Star Luxury Line, to say, listen, we have a problem with lifeboat safety. There aren't enough lifeboats. And the ship at the time was not known as unsinkable. That was the press that took over. They really ran with that title. But But the engineers knew that, in fact, the vessel was sinkable because of the way that the fibers ran in the hull. And in the last meeting before the maiden voyage, um, the, the engineers tried to get the attention of, of senior management. They were given 15 minutes to talk about lifeboat safety, and the senior management team talked about the color of the first-class cabin carpet 
for three hours. And you might say, okay, well, you know, carpet color is really important. It might take three hours to talk about carpet color in the first class cabin versus 15 minutes to save people's lives. But the interpretation of that ratio by the engineers was what we call silence by futility. They just threw up their hands and they said, okay, clearly this isn't important because we can't get in a word edgewise. So we'll just be quiet and we know the rest of the story. Likewise, at GM, when people raise their hands to say, um, we have a problem with ignition switches and uh, torque, and, and we think this could be really detrimental. Well, the safety folks and the quality folks couldn't quite get their voice heard because there was something at GM called the GM nod, which was in all the newspapers. And based on our research, it was essentially an acceptable verbatim from quality folks. Like they couldn't say, you know, this is such a serious problem. There could be substantial liability here. This could be, this is extremely dangerous, but they could say things like this doesn't quite meet our high standards of quality at general motors. Well, that sort of watered down language wove its way into the culture where the norm became water it down. Don't send bad messages. We don't want to sound the alarm bell. And that then was interpreted as just keep your mouth shut. And we know the consequences. So, you know, we ask ourselves, why would companies be willing to play Russian roulette with things like risk, compliance, and safety, and transactions that really have high dollar penalties, let alone human lives? Why would companies be willing to do this? And we look at the phenomenon, we know quite a bit about how the phenomenon of silence is created. We know when it starts, we know how it escalates, we know the signs of silence in organizations, we know how to measure it statistically and reliably, and we know how to fix it. So these organizations are great examples, and believe me, there are others. The real issue for leaders is to be able to recognize in their lines of business every day they're working with either individuals or groups the signs of silence. All right. Thank you, Rob. And so what are some of the big signs that you have a culture of silence? And can you give us some examples of the risks and outcomes that have affected other organizations with this kind of culture? Oh, absolutely. There are a few signs. One of my favorites, if I could even say it's a favorite, uh, is uh, what we call the bovine stare. So this is when uh, leaders are trying to extract information from a group, either direct reports or from a team that's responsible for innovating, idea generating, problem solving, something that has important implications. So put yourself around the table and you're waiting for the leader to start the meeting and generate the discussions, which usually happens. And the leader says to the group, okay, you guys, what have you got? What should we do? What, I, what ideas do you have? Or something like that. Right. And the leader gets nothing. The leader gets the stare. The leader gets the bovine stare, which is that blank look. And five, four, three, two, one, usually five seconds of silence is the tolerance level before that leader starts to come in with their stuff. So the leader says, well, okay, well, I have some ideas. 
here's what I think we should do. Now, that's common. And you know, when I talk about the bovine scare around the country and around the globe, everybody snickers because it's common and, they, and people know it. They've, they've lived it. And here's the danger. The leader assumes, well, I don't know what's wrong with these people. They have nothing to input. They don't, they don't, they're not contributing here. So I have to get in with my thing because I've got five other meetings lined up and I got to get this thing solved, get things, this thing done, get some ideas out on the table. I'll just push my stuff. So that's fine in terms of intent. Well, it isn't really, but the interpretation of that action is, you see, we just have to wait five seconds and then boss Bob just tells us, or boss Barbara just tells us what they think and how they want it done. So they wait, and this becomes the norm. All, all we have to do is wait, and then he'll or she will just tell us what to do. Now, that's the interpretation of the employee culture. The management usually says, see, I don't know what's wrong. The bubble thought, right? I don't know what's wrong. They're not participating. They're not team players. Uh, they don't care. Uh, or any of the naive attributions that leaders conclude. And I say, here's a rule. It's a 45-second rule. Ask a question and shut your mouth and open your ears and listen and start counting to 45. Don't say a word. Somebody will offer an idea. You have to break that cycle of dependency which is that we just have to wait five seconds and they'll tell us what to do. That's a cycle of dependency. <clears throat> and it, it has other ramifications, even individual. So the individual employee goes to the leader. Is this what you want? Is this what you want? What do you want me to do here? What do you want me to do in this case? Then they come to HR and they say, gee, we need team leadership training. We need some accountability training because these people just don't get it. They're not on board or they don't care. And none of those things are probably true. So my contention is, look, leaders, if you want your folks to contribute, shut up and let them do so. Really, just be quiet. Close down the chatterbox in your head and listen to what they have to say. And that could take a little bit, especially if the norm is established. So that's one of the clear red flag signs that you could be operating in a culture of silence is the bovine stare. There are others. Now, here's the downstream implication. Let's say, for example, you're an ice cream manufacturer and you try to get the attention of your supervisor. You raise your hand and say, something's wrong in the supply chain. I think we might have contamination here. This is a true story. And the leader on the line, manufacturing line, says, would you just be quiet, get back to work? Now, not only did that individual who was rather brave to raise their hand and say, I think we have a problem here, they are going to shut down. Okay, you don't want to hear it? Then you won't hear it because I'm not going to get my hand slapped again. Everybody else, they now see what happens when you raise your hand to voice a concern. And that cost that particular company $175 million. They had to shut down the company for poisoning, bacteria poisoning that was in two plants embedded in their supply chain. They had to get an emergency loan to stay afloat. And that could have been rectified by one person saying to one other person who cared enough to raise their hand, tell me more about 
why you think we have a problem here. Just one question rather than to shut it down. So I say to leaders in the moment, when you think about your response to a question or a statement, ask yourself if it's really resistance or is it potentially valuable knowledge? And based on your answer, then you have a choice about how to respond. Great example, Rob. Thank you for sharing that. And I think it comes at the perfect time as we're hitting the peak of summer. So thank you for that. And we'll move on to we'll move on to a third question for you. So what are the most effective strategies HR executives can use to measure their own culture and to help develop their own low risk culture of voice? Okay, there are a few things that HR um, executives can do in their environment to measure whether or not they might be operating in a culture of voice or a culture of silence. I mean, this is going to sound self-serving. I don't intend it to be. We know how to measure it. We have a proprietary instrument called the Silence Voice Index. It measures cultures of silence and voice on six scales. So we know the practices that shut down conversations, and we know the practices that encourage voice, and we can measure it. So we say, okay, look at things like your risk and compliance statistics. Look at safety violations. Look at risk violations. Look at compliance violations. Look at levels of innovation. Look at the duration of problem solving. If you have a PML, a project management office, you can get some stats about significant operational problems and the duration. Are most operational problems or innovation challenges solved within a predicted time frame, or are they usually late? And if they're late, most likely one of the causes is a delay or a slowdown in knowledge transfer. This is one of the consequences, enterprise consequences of cultures of silence. They slow down the transfer of knowledge cross silo and even inter silo. And that means that problem solving is delayed. Innovation processes are delayed, thwarted, or stopped. It means that people don't speak up when they see signs of risk or safety violations or compliance violations. In a culture of voice, when somebody, for instance, is unsure that there's something happening that may be a compliance violation, the first thing that has to happen is the employee has to feel safe enough to say, I don't know whether this is a compliance violation, but I think I ought to ask the question versus I don't really even want to raise this potential red flag because it's not safe here to bring up bad information or uh, uh, negative information. So if that's the case, the HR executive's responsibility is to work with the C-suite to begin to talk about, at least say the term culture of silence and culture of voice, give it a name, and then start to work through some specific initiatives around creating cultures of voice and implementing in the leadership development strategies, encouraging voice, the tolerance for divergent thinking. Those are ways that HR leaders and HR strategists can help leaders reshape the way they think about information that comes to them. So oftentimes um, what I see working with senior leaders is that they can misinterpret valuable information as a threat or an assault on some decision that they've made or some process that they've had a hand in creating. 
And we, as HR experts, have to help leaders shift their mindset from could this hurt me, this information, or could this potentially help me do something much more influential, positively influential in the organization. There are specific things that we can do. We can't wave a magic wand, but we can start and go one step at a time. It's sort of like an engagement survey. You do engagement surveys constantly because you want to measure it ebbs and flows. Silence is the same thing. Cultures of silence work the same way. So time one, what we typically do is we measure it, put the stake in the ground. Then we do culture and voice workshops to shift the mindset, inculcate the practices that encourage voice. And we go back, we measure it again. Oh, you've made improvements in these areas, but not in these areas. So it is a process, but it, it, cultures of silence are the, one of the most risky cultures to operate today, especially for risk and compliance exposure, for innovation processes to stay ahead of your competition. And also because the millennial population will become greater than the Gen X and baby boomer population. And these are people who want and expect to have a voice in the organization, and they expect that their voice will have merit. And if they don't have that, they take a hike. Because all the research we have tells us that the millennials are less bound by uh, financial constraints. They don't have to stay in a job that they don't like where they can't contribute and have a voice because they need to make a car payment doesn't exist. So there are some real significant strategic reasons why HR execs, why all of us in HR have to start to focus on whether or not we operate in a culture of silence or a culture of voice and move toward voice. Thank you, Rob, so much for giving those answers for us today and for spending part of your day with us here at HCI. You're welcome. Thanks for giving me the chance to talk about this phenomenon. I'm very passionate about it. And as always, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed what you heard today. You can find HCI on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Smart Radio, and on the YouTube channel HCI Talent. Once more, don't forget to rate HCI on iTunes. We'd so appreciate your five-star rating. And if you'd like to learn the latest and greatest about employee engagement, register for HCI's upcoming conference that's happening just weeks away, July 24th through the 26th. Click Enroll at the top of the HCI homepage and then click the orange button marked View Conference Schedule to learn more. For 9 to Thrive and all of us here at HCI, thank you so much for listening.